Hello, and thank you so much for tuning in to the Film Girlies podcast. This is Fiona in the editing room. This episode was recorded before the Oscar nominations and the Oscars, so apologies for any inconsistencies with what we say. Thank you so much for listening and enjoy. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the second episode of our dear Film Girlies podcast. I know you all missed us so, so much. So right, very Emily? much. Oh, God, yeah. I know our audience of two really <laughs> is upset that they it's been so long. They're just obsessed with us. I get it. I get it. I totally mm-hmm. get it. Okay. Um, what are we talking about today, Emily? Today we are talking about Moulin Rouge. How excited are you, Fiona? Oh my god, I'm so excited. So excited. It's also January, and we've recorded our first episode in October, I think? Yeah, we're not the best at time management. So yeah, we're talking about Moulin Rouge today. The movie, um, as opposed to the musical, we watched this movie on monday and it's saturday so the thoughts are still fresh in our brain and also we've both seen it a lot yeah several times so fiona why did we decide to do an episode on Moulin Rouge? um okay well emily has been asking me to watch Moulin Rouge for a very long time And I tried a few months ago, and the editing in the first scene gave me a headache, and so I stopped seven minutes in. (laughs) And then I watched um, nine Star Wars movies in 24 hours, and I developed a really, really big crush on Ewan McGregor. And because of that, I watched all of Obi-Wan Kenobi, the show, and then I needed more. I was just, it wasn't enough. And so I was like, I'll just put, I'll put myself through Moulin Rouge. I was not 100% sure I was going to like it. Because, like, obviously, like, the first time I got a headache, and that's, like, not very silly. Not, it's not very silly goofy. Um, but then I watched it, and it was like, oh, my God. I, like, died. Part of me, like, died with that movie, I think. <laughs> I think so, too. I remember the first time that I watched this movie, it was because we had free previews of like the movie channels or whatever so I knew that it was a musical and I wanted to I was also relatively young when I watched this for the first time which looking back we were watching this on like um I was in my dorm room when we were watching it and there are a few scenes where I was like I feel like I should have headphones in just because I feel like my neighbors probably think I'm watching something that isn't Moulin Rouge but oh well um that's fine but yeah, the first time I watched it, I was relatively young. Always been a big fan of musical theater. So I was like, I have to see this. And I didn't really have any memories of it until I kind of visited it again a few years ago. And yeah, I remember the first time Fiona had watched it and said that she didn't really like it. I was mildly heartbroken. I, I watched like, the first seven minutes. The first seven minutes, which you know what? The first seven minutes are a lot. Like Baz yeah. Lerman as an editor, his editing style in his movies, I should say. It's rough sometimes. It's rough, yeah. you know? It's I feel just... like it's a lot. Um, but mm-hmm. then, yeah, when I watched it, when I forced myself to like sit down and watch the whole thing in one go, something like happened. Like I remember I put it on 
and one of my roommates came by and was like oh what are you watching and I was like oh like Moulin Rouge like I've tried it before but like this is my second go at it to see if it's good and then she disappeared and then she came back near like the end of the movie and she was like how's it going and I turned to her and I had like tears like streaming down my face and I was like it's so good (laughs) it's so good and it's it's always the best feeling though when you watch like a movie for the first time and just have such a like I all of the movies that I consider my favorites I remember watching them the first time and just being like oh this is this is a a new favorite movie Mm -hmm. It's always immediate for me. Like sometimes movies will grow on me, but then I I grow an appreciation or I grow a fondness for them. But I don't. They're never like, oh, this is my new favorite movie. Um, anybody yeah. who knows anything about me knows that I go through like really intense like phases with things. And so if I watch a certain movie or like I read a certain book, it's like all I like. It's like consumes my entire life for the next few months. And you guys, this Moulin Rouge phase has been going on for so long. It started in September. We are still going really strong. Like, it's, I don't see it ending anytime soon. It did. St- it started in September. And I also feel like another big contributing factor to this, like, obsession with it is also the fact that you have the musical to go on, which we're going to talk about a little bit mm-hmm. today. Um, how there's a, how there's talk- a movie version. Can we, do- can we talk about it now? <laughs> yeah. We can yeah. talk about it now. Um, okay. I will first start off by explaining kind of what Moulin Rouge is. So if you haven't seen Moulin Rouge, the movie or the musical version that's playing on Broadway right now, I go see it. You can still hang out and chat with us. I can't promise we won't spoil anything for you, though. If we're it hasn't spoil been spoiled it. for you already, but I, I feel as though we're not going to avoid <laughs> spoilers. So listen at your own risk. But Moulin Rouge is a jukebox musical type movie, which is different than a traditional movie musical, which I kind of wanted to make clear, because I'd love to have another episode on the movie musical. Again, especially because we both love La La Land, which we talked about last episode, but also lots of other movie musicals that we appreciate so we want to touch on that a separate time this isn't the movie musical episode okay you're not done with the movie musicals from us it's not ending anytime soon this is a jukebox musical which means that it takes popular songs and puts them into a story whereas a traditional musical has songs written for the story so because we're talking about la la land the music in that movie was written for the movie. It wasn't previously written. Although I wish um, Roxanne was written just for Moulin Rouge, and I didn't know of it before Moulin Rouge, which I feel like is a bit embarrassing to admit, but I didn't know that the song existed. I didn't know it either. Only... That's not embarrassing at all. I associate it only with Moulin Rouge. Me too. And I, I think I did listen to the actual version of it but because the first time I listened to it it was just in this it was a tango and so epic I I feel like I can't listen to the actual song and enjoy it (laughs) for me again because that's just I haven't listened to the original version I don't think I can because I'm just like so obsessed with the the Moulin Rouge version like it's so good (laughs) it's it's so so good. good It's just so good. It's so intense. It's brilliant. We put it on 
right after New Year's. Like it was like twelve oh one a.m. January first, and I was like, Emily, we should watch El Tango de Roxanne. And she was like, Yeah, we should. And I was like, Yeah. And we and were with incredible. our friend Diana, and yeah. she had to sit through it. It was. She had. To, we made her sit through it, but that's okay. Then you can sit through a lot, so it's fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, yeah. So another reason that this movie's kind of different than a lot of other movie musicals is also because it was a movie first, and then it was a Broadway show. Oftentimes, we'll see Broadway musicals get adapted into films, for better or for worse. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of bad ones. I feel like we're really out of our golden age with it because there's lots of, like, Dear Evan Hansen. That was an atrocity, but we won't get into that today. I pinky promise. Yeah. So, yeah. That's when the long read is. If you haven't seen it, go watch it. On Disney+. Plus. On Disney+. Plus. Yes. So, like Emily said, it's like a... It was movie first and then turned into a musical. And I had the absolute pleasure of seeing the musical this past November on my trip to New York City and I think once again I left part of myself with the movie and I think I left part of myself in that like theater something I like it was did. my first Broadway it was my first Broadway show like ever and I did I don't think I told you this I almost start, I started crying like almost immediately <laughs> I think you did tell me this yeah or I feel like maybe you said that your friend had started we both started crying okay yeah like we were sitting there and like obviously like first broadway show ever and she's like a lot more into musical theater than i am like i'm just kind of like i have a few shows that i love um but she went through she had a music everyone has a musical theater phase at least once in their life i'm going through mine don't lie don't lie and say that you haven't had a musical theater phase and if you haven't you just haven't had it yet it's coming it's coming for you it's coming whether you like it or not Yep. Um, so yeah, because you know, like the the musical on like it like starts with like Christian like raising the sign, right? He just walks over and he's just like looking around. The music starts and he like lifts the sign and the music really kicks in. And that's when I like started like tearing up a little bit. It was Aww. really rough. Um, but <laughs> and then I cried again at the end, obviously. Obviously. Um, but yeah, it was like absolutely insane to see that. I think like best three hours of my entire life, truly. Nothing yeah. can top it. It was amazing. Um, best three hours. Honestly, honestly, yeah. it's just so good. It's Fiona, so good. would you like to give like a brief plot? I can do that. Yeah. Because I feel I was going to do it. And then I was thinking, I was like, no, Fiona needs I got to this. do this part. Because- I got this. She knows it better than I do. Okay, Fiona, take it away. Because someone okay. who's never heard of this before, what is it about? Moulin Rouge is about the Moulin Rouge in France. Um, really? Like the, really? Yeah, did you not know <laughs> that? Wow. Rouge? What? That's crazy. <laughs> um, and it's about Satine, a courtesan at the Moulin Rouge. She's kind of like the big, she's the sparkling diamond of the thing. She's like everyone's fave. Queen Satine, love her. Um. And then she meets Christian, played by our dear... Okay, so Teen's played by Nicole Kidman, and Christian is played by our my dear, sweet baby girl, Ewan McGregor. Baby girl. Baby girl to the max. Oh my god. Anyway, he is a writer. He writes, like, songs. And so he is, like, enlisted by the Bohemians to help put on a show at the Moulin Rouge. And then 
Um, there's also this evil guy named the Duke, and we hate this man. The Duke wants to um Boo. thank you, Emily. Um the Duke wants to um marry Satine, but Satine decides to use him for money so they can like put on a show with the Moulin Rouge. So Love triangle. Duke loves Satine. Satine wants his money. Satine loves Christian. Christian loves Satine. That's like the whole plot. It's just them putting on a show and pretending that they're not in love so the Duke doesn't start a fight. But then he does start a fight. Spoilers. He does start a spoilers. And the show also closely resembles their real situation. There's a penniless sitar player who is supposed to be Christian who's like the penniless writer and then I think they keep Satine as the courtesan right yeah. like she's she the courtesan in the play yeah. and then there's the Maharaja it's also mildly cultural and sens- mildly heavily culturally like insensitive mm-hmm. do they do that in the Broadway version as well No, the whole play that they put on in, like, the musical is completely different. Like, if you listen to, like, the pitch song. Wait, really? Yeah, if you listen to, like, the pitch song from the Broadway recording, they tell, they make up, like, a whole different non-culturally insensitive um, play for them to put on. Well, that's good. That's good that it's not, does it still kind of reflect? Yeah, it's, like, the exact same plot. (laughs) It's just not, like, weird racist yeah okay yeah. that's great that's good mm, it's really good i don't remember I, I what it have... is but that's good because i always had like mild gripes like when we were watching it i was like mm-hmm. oh. no it's a little icky we understand kind of that weird. but they do change it they change it in the musical and that made me feel better so good yeah good. That's um so oh also satine is dying of an unknown disease <laughs> unknown random disease as the classic um 1800s woman cough cough blood on the handkerchief needs to be taken to the sea to recover disease except she's not taken to the sea and spoiler alert this is like your final spoiler alert because we're done after this we're done we're going leave yeah if you don't want to hear leave leave. Um, i mean don't leave yeah but come back next time come back after Okay, spoiler warning out of the way. Satine dies of her unknown disease. Tuberculosis. Is that what it is? I think, I is think con- they say it's consumption, okay. which I think is the same thing as tuberculosis. But Yeah, that sounds right. I don't know that as a fact. Let's, let's Google it. Good tuberculosis idea. Tuberculosis and consumption? Mm-hmm. I think they're the same thing. So Satine is dying of tuberculosis slash consumption, whatever it is. The classic thing she dies that's why there are tears streaming down my face when i finish this movie um every time it's one of those movies that just gets yeah every time because there's a few movies i've seen of course i can't name any of them now but you watch it for the first time and it's like oh that's sad but then you watch it again and it's like okay i don't i can't agree with that statement if i cry a movie the first time i'm gonna probably cry harder the second time because i know it's coming that's a good point yeah, I know it's coming. You like, know it's coming. I hype myself up to cry like way before this, like the event actually happens. I cry a lot of movies. That's just that's just a me thing. And Moulin Rouge is a really good crying movie. Like you get some, you like work through some things when you watch that. That's very true. What makes Moulin Rouge so great? Let's so talk spectacular. spectacular, spectacular, so spectacular, if you will. What mm-hmm. makes 
Mulan Rouge so spectacular. First off, it's very Baz Luhrmann. We've seen, well, how many movies has Baz Luhrmann directed? Because I know of the three. I've seen, this is, I've, I've seen. seen four of his. Because I've um, seen Elvis, I've mm-hmm. seen this, and I've seen Romeo and Juliet. He what did The Great Gatsby. I've seen all of those oh, three, and okay, then The Great well, Gatsby adaptation. Yeah. Um, this is one of the only times that his, like, out of the four movies I've seen, this and Romeo and Juliet are, like, the only ones that truly worked for me. I found The Great Gatsby to be extremely disorienting because um, mm-hmm. I found that he didn't, he he went for more of, like, the extravagant and, like, luxurious feel and ideas of yeah. the story rather than, like, what I liked about the story. So it felt like more of, like, a surface level thing. But also I've only seen it once and it was, like, two years ago. So that might it might change if I watched it again, which I probably won't. And then also Elvis, I just found to be very self-indulgent and very um, glossing over a lot of things. And also Tom Hanks was just so freaking bad in that movie. And I'm blaming Baz Luhrmann for allowing him to be like that in that movie. Because Tom Don't Hanks can't Fiona. get a bad performance. And it's Baz Luhrmann. Don't get Fiona part. started on Tom Hanks in Elvis. Oh, we'll be here Literally. all day. Yeah. Um, I Romeo and Juliet agree- is awesome. Oh, Romeo and Juliet's great. I also agree in that this and Romeo and Juliet are kind of my favorite. But also, fun fact is that Baz Luhrmann did direct an opera for the Sydney Opera House. Um, it, like, he directed La Boheme. Actually, I have a DVD of it for my voice teacher gave it to me. Mm-hmm. But I think it was, like, from the library at the university she works at, and I was supposed to return it. But that's fine. <laughs> uh, nobody will know. I think that I'm very, I haven't seen it yet, but I'm very curious to see what he would have done with that as well. Obviously, operas are very luxurious. Well, like seemingly from the outside, luxurious art form. It's very dramatic, and I feel like Baz also very extravagant, loves milking, and I also think that's why it works here. This is an emotional story we have Mm -hmm. a creator who's so interested in the powers who's so very passionate about his art form like his writing and then also very passionate about love and wanting to be in love and have his own love story and also the entertainment industry that they work in very lush very extravagant his style works here because of the subject matter that we're dealing with i agree i think if anyone i don't think anyone else could make it like i feel like to take it serious the only reason i take it so seriously is because everyone is so committed to the bit everyone is committed to giving the performances of a lifetime they are committed to baz Luhrmann's crazy wild like vision with all the colors and like things happening and if one person wasn't that committed it would break the whole like spell you know completely completely if you're if you commit to the bit, then the bit will be great, and that's a great example. It's a great example of that of just committing and admitting something is weird and admitting something's kind of random and extra and silly. like the like a virgin scene. Oh <laughs> my god! Um, Emily and I both completely forgot this scene like existed, and then we rewatched this movie, and um. What's the what's his name? The showrunner guy. Why can't I remember his name? I also can't remember. Zigfield. 
His name yes. is it not, it's not it's not Guild. I'm wrong. I feel like it's something similar. I feel like it's Ziedler. No. Ziedler, there we go. Zigfield's the name Ziedler. of the guy from Funny Girl. Sorry. I was gonna say I'm like, I feel like this is Funny Girl coded. It is. Zigfield check. is Funny it's Girl Zid- and Ziddler yeah. is Moulin Rouge. Okay. Glad we cleared up our Zids. Anyway, Ziddler is like the like Moulin Rouge, like own like like not showrunner, but showrunner. Yeah, thank you. Mm-hmm. And um the Duke they have like this number where they sing like a virgin. And um if you haven't seen this movie, I strongly recommend um going to just look at that scene. Well, watch the whole movie, but if you're not going to, at least watch that scene because it's absolutely hilarious. Look at the like a virgin scene. It's so funny. Oh I'd especially gosh. like to see what people would have to say of it out of context. Yeah. Because it doesn't Cause does it It doesn't like almost like it doesn't really work with the context of the show and like the movie anyway. But like it's still good. Like I don't care. I think it's hilariously fun to watch. Um, it's just like very strange in total. It's I love just it. So again, it's so extra and it's so much. And this movie, like Fiona was saying, the first time she watched it, she got seven minutes in and got a headache. It really just punches you in the face mm-hmm. with color. Like we're not going for we're really not going for subtlety here. I don't Which, think Baz Luhrmann has a subtle bone in his body. I don't think so. I honestly don't. And I, I love him. That. I love him for it. I think like sometimes he's just not. He's it's just not working. Sometimes it doesn't click because you just again you have to know where. Yeah, where, where the line is. Needed. Mm-hmm. And yes, this movie is extravagant and punches you in the face, but it still has moments of tenderness. And that's, it's the blending of the crazy. And I feel like that's what works here because there's still moments of subtlety between Christian and Satine. How do you pronounce, how do you pronounce her name? Satine. Satine? Yeah. I've heard it Satine. pronounced a few different ways. Very French. How are they first. saying it? How are other people saying it? Satin? Mm, Satine. Satine. I think I did Satine. It rolls off the tongue. It's Satine. easy. Yeah. Satine. If that's how you and McGregor says it, that's how I'm gonna say it. Me and my baby girl are tight so like real. that. Mm-hmm. You and baby girl are tight like that? Because you just <laughs> refer to you and McGregor as a a baby girl, which Fiona does a lot. So that I can excuse. <laughs> but then also indicate that you two are tight <laughs> as him being your baby girl. This is a grown man. He is baby girl. There is something so baby girl about little musical theater men in their little musical theater vests. In their little slutty vests. Thank you. Little, and also their slutty, their slutty, slutty, slutty trench coats. They're the so trench slutty. Coat? It's so the trench slutty. coat and that they use in like the Broadway musical. Literally, I died dead. Like on the floor. Died dead. Dead on the floor. The end. Fiona's dead. Anyone who plays Christian is hot. Like, that's just, like, the rules. It's just the rule. It's just the rule. It is the rule. But I also think just the character. The character is really hot. So if you play the character well, then you're good. It's hot. And also anyone who can sing El Tango de Roxanne like that, I'm done for. Baz understands the importance of a vest and a trench coat, how slutty they are, and how necessary they are. 
for the stories. Mm -hmm. Fiona, would you like to play a little game? I love playing games. We love little games. This is a different little game. I just thought of it. But how about, it's not even a game. It's just a stating of things, but I'm calling it a game. Okay, sounds good. I like games. What are your top three? Top three favorite numbers or scenes in the movie? In the movie, okay. Elephant Love Medley. Oh my God. (laughs) It's so good. It's so good. Is this number three? Are we ranking these? Oh, I don't know. This is my number one. Okay, number one. Um, I yeah. I'm obsessed with it. I'm obsessed with how like funny it is when they start and she's like, Can you like shut up? And he just keeps pulling out like these love songs. The whole song is them having a conversation about the relationship through different lines of famous love songs. And it is so good. I literally I have like the musical version like memorized. I play both parts. Um I I play Christian and Satine when I am singing this to myself on my walks to school every day. Um in true Peter Kid fashion. It's so good. It's so it's funny. So and it's also, like, funny. And they, like, understand that it's funny. Like, what, and, yeah. like, they'll show in, like, the musical. People were, like, giggling in the audience when these people broke out into song because it's absolutely hilarious. It's that understanding. It's camp. It's camp. It is camp. It's camp. Rouge is and camp. it's the understanding of the camp. What are some songs that they use? I guess for sake of podcast, we'll talk movie version. But I know... I love movie point, version as well. At one point, there was... I was made for love and you, yeah, baby. That but good. I don't remember who... I don't remember if that was Christian or Satine. That's I Christian. Like it was, that's Christian. But then she goes, the only way of the... Like, she continues it. it but it makes a lovely sense. fee. Yeah. Yes. There we go. There was yeah. a little look at that call and answer wow call and answer yeah so elephant love medley is like my number one like it's so good the songs are so good the way it's written is just incredible um i would say obviously el Dehango de roxanne like there is something in that song oh my god they're putting crack in that song i think that one's my favorite i do have a deep appreciation for Elephant, love mountain, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't put it in my top three. I don't know what it is. It's like something about like the energy and just like the going back and forth so quickly, and Nicole Kidman is like so good in it. You know, yeah. like that's just no, like, especially like so that good. whole scene. She's like amazing in it, and yeah. And then I guess I had to pick. If I had to pick one more, what would it be? What would it be? Honestly, the pitch song is really good. Really, I love I that like one. That. It's so fun. They have to, so when they pitch their whole plot idea yeah. to the Duke to put on their show, they sing a whole song about it. And it's just, it's so fast and the choreography is so freaking funny and it's so silly goofy and I love it. I feel like it really captures the musical perfectly. Yes, it captures, and that's another thing that I will get to my three in a second. I just want to add this here is that this is a movie musical, be it a jukebox musical be it whatever that acknowledges that it's a musical and like is proud of that form Mm -hmm. again bad movie musicals do the opposite they try to bad movie musicals do the opposite and then they try to downplay the fact that they're a musical 
some people will take it seriously, but that's not the goal of Moulin Rouge. You do take it seriously, but they're not, they don't, that's not their goal. They don't care about being taken seriously. And like the whole, the film as a whole doesn't care about being taken seriously. And that's why it works. I agree. Okay, Emily, what are your top three moments from the movie? My top three. So El Tango de Roxanne is my favorite part. I will listen to that part on repeat it it comes at such an important point in the plot as well where christian has to someone at the moulin rouge is singing this song christian interweaves into it about what it's like to be in love with a woman with a courtesan but yeah that's basically that's basically what the song is about if you know the original song you obviously already knew that but just the way it blends into the genre the choreography of the scene both the dancers in the scene the actual like physical staging of it and then also the interweaving of scenes slash shots between Satine and the Duke Christian and then this whole performance that's happening at the Moulin Rouge it's just spectacular it's just too good to be true Mm-hmm. Again, it doesn't want to be taken seriously, but it's being taken seriously here. And yeah, take a shot every time I say that. Honestly, <laughs> I just feel like that's the reoccurring theme of this podcast. Is that El Tango de Roxanne is my favorite part of this movie. My second favorite part of this movie is I feel like you might kick yourself. Is come what may. See, it's very good. I just think like the pitch song is just like silly, so silly, goofy. Seriously. I love Come What May. Bite. It's no, so good. I know. I know you do. I love them both. I, forgive I love you. it all. You do love it all. Come What May. Fun fact about Come What May is that it was actually written for Romeo and Juliet. I know that. That's so cool. You. It was funny because Fiona looked at me like, oh, I know this fun fact. And then no, when I said I the fun it. fact, she was like, I didn't know this. So yeah, it was mm-hmm. written for Romeo and Juliet. That's Simon's other film like we talked about. So, but they didn't end up using it in the movie or whatever. So they saved it for Moulin Rouge, but because they did that, it couldn't have been nominated for Best of a Song because it wasn't written for Moulin Rouge. Breaks my heart because I just think it's such a well-written song. It's such a well-performed song in the movie. The ending, it's heartbreaking. And it's also, again, that ending of, yeah, everything's going to be okay. Screw the dude. Yeah, everything's going to be okay. Forget about the Duke. It doesn't matter. We're in love. We love each other anyway. And then until my dying day, well, she has to die, unfortunately. So it's very, it's a celebration of love, but it's also very sad. Mm-hmm. And it's just a beautiful, it's a beautiful love ballad. Very good um, song. I would love for it to be like my winning song. That's also so cute. For my wedding song. Wouldn't it be cute? I feel like it'd that be cute. That is so cute. Come What May is my second favorite song. <laughs> Third favorite is probably, it's near the beginning when Satine does Diamond Fair Girl's Best Friend. It's just so good. It's just, I always, like, I have this big smile on my face whenever she does it. It's so, it's a great way to start the movie. It's a great way to, pres- it's a great scene, like, presenting, like, what the Moulin Rouge is, like, the kind of environment, the kind of clientele, etc. It's good. It's iconic, if you will. And then also the kind of 
reprisal of it at the end mm-hmm. where she's like hey, blah 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 it's good it's good it's good it's good I love it and I stand with that okay Fiona we have one more game before Should we? do we want to ra- we'll- say any uh, closing thoughts about it first before we play our final game closing thoughts- any- yeah my closing thoughts is that um I am so glad the movie does not have Firework by Katy Perry in it because the musical does and I would I was not able to keep a straight face because that Firework number is truly the worst number in the whole musical. <laughs> there was a game little insider info for you. There was a game Fiona and I were debating playing where we added songs into Moulin Rouge. Mm-hmm. And the only song that I could think of was in the sky shine bright like a diamond and I feel like but that's the only thing that came from my brain but I knew deeply how bad that would be so I feel as all this is also why we decided on a different game to play mm-hmm. because I could only think of putting diamonds but it's bad. the firework number is so bad Emily I believe that it's so bad it's why okay Emily do you have any closing thoughts on the film I shared mine it's closing yeah Closing thoughts, it's camp. You're right. Everyone in this movie they is are. looking camp right in the eye constantly. Constant. And that's why it works. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm. Yep. Yeah. Right in the eye. Okay. Should we play our silly little game? We should play our silly, 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 silly little game to end off the episode. This game was inspired by the Recovering Blake podcast. And to continue the movie musical theme of this episode we decided to play a little game in which we are going to insert or cast glee characters as characters in moulin rouge Mm -hmm. okay i have a good idea of how we can do this i think we'll like we'll uh, we'll name a character and we'll each present a glee character to fill that role and then we'll argue until we pick one firstly i would like to present christian and i would like to present jesse st james playing christian Oh, yeah. Thank you. I agree. I was going to say, before you said that, I was going to say Blaine. But I feel like Jesse St. James works better. Just because of... He he would look better in the slutty trench coat. And honestly, any... I Like, the trench... The slutty vest and trench coat combo, you have to look good or it doesn't work. Or it doesn't work. It doesn't work. It does not work at all. Jesse okay. St. James is Christian. I have yeah. a cast, or not a character list. I have a character list. Okay, Satine. Do you want to present yours, your idea first? Or do you want me to? Santana. But that's just instinctual, and I don't know I if think, that actually I think Quinn would do a really good job. Okay, yeah, I take that Because I think Quinn has, like, enough of, like, the... She's, like, so sweet, and she can, like... You know, Diana Agron is just so pretty. And I feel like she I could play, like, her- the... The voice and she can I think she could play like the courtesan side as well as like the Satine's like with Christian side really really well I was gonna I was gonna say yes I, I do agree with you on that front because also I just think that she works better like vocally mm-hmm. as I, I mean I don't know Nicole... any other voices but <laughs> Nicole Kidman kind of has like a breathier softer yeah. and same with Diana Agron at least in Glee I don't know else yeah she's done outside of like what singing she's done outside of glee but okay mm-hmm. harold sizzler hmm. 
Sue Sylvester. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I want Sue to be the Duke. That's jumping. I think this, that's really funny. That would be I feel so like funny. no. I think we need to stick just to the students. I think oh, we should stick just. Okay. I think we should stick just to the Glee Club, like the actual students. Okay, Zidler. What do you mean? Think... can't play Christian. No. Oh my god! I'd literally rather <laughs> die than see that happen. Um, Zidler, I feel like putting aside my um everything these people have done in real life, I think Puck would be an interesting Zidler. Oh yeah, I think Puck would be. I feel like he's like silly enough that he could like pull it off. No, you know? be- yeah. No, I agree. I feel like that that works. Yeah. Can be like extravagant enough, mm-hmm. if you will. I agree. I agree. The Duke. Hmm. Finn's too nice. He's a baby face. Finn is too nice. He He's couldn't do cool. it. I feel like, like Sam again. might be able to do it. Ooh. I agree. I think Sam could do it. I think Sam yeah. could do it. I'm trying to think. Maybe like, I'm trying to. I don't remember the later season cast because I always forget about them. We could also do it. Ryder would do a good job. We could also just say like whatever, and we could say Santana would be an awesome Duke. Hey, because that's where I was. I was literally just about to say that. She would kill that if we gender bend. We can gender bend it. Santana is the Duke. She would kill that. Oh, she would kill it. Yeah, Santana's the Duke. That's that's our consensus on that. Let's do. There are like two more main ones. roles that are kind of like the main mm-hmm. roles in the movie. Okay, Henry de Toulouse Lautrec. So like John Leguizamo. Yeah. Um, because that's how I think of him in the movie. I'm like John Leguizamo. <laughs> okay, Toulouse could be like. Hmm. I feel like Mike would be kind of silly, goofy in that part, or Sam. <gasps> I yeah. I also feel like Mike would work because he's like a mover. Yeah. Actually, no. Mike and Brittany should be. Um, I don't remember their names, but you know who I'm talking about. Like the the one who sings Roxanne, and then like the girl that he starts dancing with. That's oh, Mike and Brittany. Yeah, I don't know those two. That's Mike I feel like Brittany. are Mike and Brittany. And then so that means Sam should be Toulouse. I agree. And mm-hmm. then who's the unconscious Argentinian? I feel like those two kind of come as a oh, isn't pair. the unconscious Argentinian the one who sings Roxanne? Am I making that up? Mm. I don't know. I thought I thought they were the same. You would probably know more than me, so I'm gonna say you're correct. I think I don't know. Um, sorry, Miss Rachel Berry. <laughs> I like how we do not cast Rachel as a lead in this at all because she's not. She's she not could not lead. do Satine. She just couldn't do Satine. She couldn't, mm-hmm. and I stand by that. She's not a Satine. She's one of the Lady Marmalade girls, <laughs> and you know she's fuming about it. Oh, she's mad that she's not the diamond. High key. Oh, yep. I like that cast. I, I think like that's that really good. Jesse St. James's Christian is one of the most incredible things we've ever come up with. Oh, I agree. I'd also like to see Jonathan Groff play Christian. Oh, Thank right. you, everyone, well, for listening. Yes. Thank you very much for joining us again. We deeply appreciate you if you've made it this far. Yep. You've been to the episode. All right. Well, we'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning into the Film Girlies podcast. I'm Emily. And I'm Fiona. Thank you for listening to us. Yes, thank you. And have a good rest of your day. Bye. Bye.